This is PE Talks Africa, a podcast by the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association. I'm your host, Yossi Olaleye, the Marketing and Communications Manager at AFCA. And in this episode, we are focusing on clean energy and we're delighted to be joined by Benga Hassan, the Managing Director of Agentil Capital Partners. So Benga, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you doing? Well, thank you very much uh, for having me. I'm doing very well, thank you. Great. So I'm just going to jump right into it and you know talk about Agentil. So it's been over five years since Agentil Capital Management sort of ventured into investing in the energy sector in Nigeria and West Africa. So can you tell us a bit more about the journey leading up to this and some of the accomplishments that your team is proud of so far? Well, no, thank you very much uh, for, for that. Um, I, I think it will help if I just provide, you know, very, very quick introduction to, to, to myself and then, you know, Argentile and then the, the investing um, strategies that we, we deployed. So in terms of myself, uh, uh, I'm Nigerian uh, uh, descent, uh, but I studied in the UK from A-levels upwards. Um, went uh, into banking at Standard Bank in their project finance team and then came back to Nigeria and then, you know, was in um, corporate finance with Standard Bank, but then moved into private equity with uh, Oreos Capital uh, at the time uh, where I was part of the team that uh, invested uh, the West Africa Regional Fund focused mainly on Nigeria and Ghana. And I think that gave me a very, very strong flavor for uh, what we're currently doing uh, in Argentil on the investing side. So I joined Argentil at the time when Argentil was going through a restructuring and we did a management buyout. And the idea was primarily to create an indigenous uh, business that um, supported indigenous uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, in, initially, the focus was primarily on the, if I can call it, the um, the financial advisory side, uh, but then we expanded into uh, the fund side in about 2012, initially with a credit fund uh, where we're investing in SMEs, uh, and we did that uh, between 2012 and 2017. Um, and then we decided, given the strong... Um, uh, background, uh, Argentil had in the energy space. We decided to look into expanding into energy infrastructure investing via fund GP structure. However, uh, having tried to do that, we kind of realized there was some constraints around investing in early stage, uh, development and pre-construction, uh, which when you look at energy infrastructure, that tends to be a significant gap, uh, which influences the amount of deals that uh, uh, get to financial close, wherein the traditional fund uh, look to invest. So we look to have a uh, hold code structure, uh, which uh, essentially allows us to invest in early stage opportunities and thus support entrepreneurs who, in our view, require this critical funding. Uh, um, we are also very comfortable founding uh, businesses, and you know one of the key investments we have matured to date, uh, which we're very proud of, is uh, First Modular Gas Systems Limited, where Argentil co-founded uh, this uh, business, and the key strategy was primarily to deploy modular gas processing facilities, where we essentially convert gas that's currently fled, and we'll talk about that. Uh, uh, later on into compressed natural gas and LPG, which is cooking gas, um, and therefore looking to reduce direct CO2 emissions from flaring and at the same time supply gas into the domestic economy, uh, which really goes to um, displace um, a lot of uh, diesel and liquid fuels that are used for for power generation. Again, we'll talk about this a bit more. Uh, uh, and also on the cooking side, uh, kerosene, charcoal, firewood. And there's some research done that shows that um, 
women and young children uh, uh, die uh, from this sort of uh, uh, pollution that comes from uh, using this sort, sort, sort of, if I can call it, uh, dirty uh, uh, fields to, for cooking. Uh, and potentially it matches uh, the death that certain countries face from malaria, which is quite significant. So, so for us, um, we're quite proud of this uh, 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 platform that we created and uh, we achieved financial close uh, with the larger infrastructure fund uh, because we essentially seeded, the, as, as I said, the early stage and the development uh, capital funding uh, to take it to financial close. Uh, uh, so we've commenced construction for the first plant, uh, which we expect to be uh, commissioned Q3 uh, 2022, and a second plant will commence construction in H1 2022. Well, sounds, sounds very interesting. And thank you for mentioning the First Modular Gas Systems Limited, because that was going to be my next question. So, you know, uh, it, the question really is, in your view, why is clean energy an attractive industry for investment in Nigeria and more broadly, West Africa. So if you could just provide some context to us by talking about the FMGSL project and then other clean energy investment strategies and how these are enabling Agentil to achieve um, its clean energy and climate objectives. Yeah, thanks again. Um, so I, I guess I'll start by just providing uh, some statistics. So Nigeria and many countries and many West African countries face very significant energy deficits. Uh, in Nigeria, it is estimated that while we have a generation capacity of about 12,500 megawatts, we generally look to generate on average 4,000 megawatts into the grid uh, to a population of 200 million people. Um, by contrast, South, South Africa is estimated to have uh, 58,000 megawatts of installed capacity for a population of 58 million. Um, so you can see the significant uh, deficit that uh, the country faces. Um, and, what, and what then happens is Nigeria tends to have a one of the lowest per capita consumption of energy uh, 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 globally. What this has also created is what we, uh, if I can borrow the term from an IFC study, is a broken grid. Um, and this leads to Nigeria essentially having backup generators of between 15,000 to 20,000 megawatts. So we actually have more backup generators capacity than we actually have installed capacity from the grid because of this broken uh, a grid system. And what that means is that um, from a cost perspective, uh, the, the, just the fuel service costs of uh, backup uh, generators, which are mainly uh, diesel, um, are generally in the range of uh, 20 cents per kilowatt hour to about 60 cents. Um, and compared to grid-based energy, which is about 10 to 30. So, so you essentially have a double cost uh, uh, by using this backup uh, generation. In fact, in some cases, it's estimated it's about three times. Um, and, you know, what we feel is that uh, given Nigeria's abundance of gas, which I talked about, it being flared. Uh, again, I'll provide some statistics on that later on. Uh, but we estimate that by using... Uh, gas to replace uh, the diesel for these generators, uh, you would see an immediate savings of 40 to 50%. Uh, and in, in, in the process, you'll also reduce uh, 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 the flaring. So with FMGSL, what, 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 what we are looking to do is uh, address, as I say, some of the climate change issues via gas flare, um, and also the, the broken grid system uh, where we rely on backup uh, generation. Um, now, I'll just provide some statistics, like I said. So in Nigeria, we currently flare 
on average about 600 uh, million standard cubic feet of gas uh, uh, a, a day. Um, now, this compares to 700 million standard cubic feet of gas that we provide to our gas plants. So we essentially have fully as much gas uh, than we provide to the gas plants that supply uh, power to, to the grid. Um, and what we're looking at with first modular is, I say, reducing flaring. Uh, our first two plants will reduce flaring of about 15 million standard cubic feet of gas uh, per day. And like I like like I discussed, this will reduce the uh, flaring the the CO2 em the CO2 emissions. Uh, that uh, will be associated with this uh, flaring, but at the same time displace uh, the diesel fuel that is used mainly by uh, industrial and commercial uh, customers. Uh, again, it is estimated that 90% of uh, SMEs and uh, 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 the production sector in Nigeria rely on backup generators. Uh, to supply on average anywhere from 10 from 12 hours of uh, of electricity uh, and in fact some of them don't actually connect to the grid because uh, the, the grid is unstable and they have delicate plant and machinery and can't afford for fluctuation so they're essentially one off grid for their manufacturing processes and then just use the grid to power their sort of uh, administrative offices. Um, so, 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 like with first modular, we're looking to sort of uh, provide uh, uh, gas to commercial and industrial users, and some of our offtakers include uh, IPPs that would supply gas to uh, state government uh, offices, hospitals, and other government-owned uh, facilities. We're also looking to supply. Uh, uh, gas to a industrial park. Uh, the plant is located, our first plant is located in Anambra state, which is in southeastern Nigeria. Uh, uh, and we're looking to supply uh, gas to uh, neighboring states uh, in terms of uh, IPPs and also to sort of um, direct off-takers who es essentially already uh, have gas generators and are looking for supply of uh, compressed natural gas. On the cooking side, like I mentioned, uh, currently Nigeria also imports about 70% of our uh, LPG. Um, so we produce about 30% in country. Uh, uh, and again, this is because most of the gas that we get from the uh, most of the LPG we get is from our Nigerian liquefied natural gas uh, plant, uh, but again, that that is an offshore plant, and then that supplies the domestic uh, 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 market. So we are looking to actually have in-country capacity, which, like I said, then allows us to supply a significant gap in the domestic market and look to displace. Um, the more polluting fuels that I talked about that is used for cooking in terms of kerosene, uh, charcoal, firewood, and, and, and such uh, things like that. Um, now, in terms of, apart from FMGSL, because again, what, what, what we are looking to do is look to invest uh, in what we call clean energy and renewables. Uh, um, so FMGSL for us sits into the clean energy bucket. Uh, um, and then on the renewable side, we're actually looking at a number of uh, uh, interesting opportunities. Like I mentioned, one of the off-takers for our gas is a hybrid solar gas uh, plant in a neighboring state uh, within a, a university. Uh, so it's a business park that has been sponsored by a European uh, uh, development uh, institution and the promoter is somebody that we were introduced by that uh, European uh, uh, DFI and 
the initial strategy was to supply gas, but then we've progressed that to be part of the development of the solar uh, uh, hybrid IPP. Uh, and again, that will provide uh, electricity 24 hours a day to uh, industrial, I mean, to uh, uh, customers in the industrial park, which will, uh, which from uh, uh, bakeries to, you know, your actual manufacturing uh, 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 businesses. Um, and then at the same time, uh, outside of, 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 of this, we're also looking at supplying uh, or supporting a number of, I'll call them solar renewables, uh, uh, where they, they target commercial and industrial uh, customers. Uh, uh, so we are working with at least two uh, uh, in investee companies here, uh, uh, where we're sort, sort of evaluating, supporting them. And I'll go back to why we actually focus on this sort of uh, 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 institutions or, or, or businesses later on. Um, what I also mentioned to you that we are not afraid of uh, getting our hands dirty. Uh, so we actually have experience in battery storage. We created a battery storage uh, company uh, quite some years ago called Covers Energy uh, in partnership with uh, a, a Canadian group. And the idea was primarily to sort of uh, use storage as a way to essentially reduce this reliance on backup uh, uh, generation. Uh, so we would use solar and battery storage uh, uh, as a way for industrial and commercial uh, customers to sort, sort of move away from relying on, on having uh, uh, backup uh, generation. We're also evaluating some mini grids uh, opportunities. And like I said, I think I'll talk a bit more about that later on. But so those are the kind of investments that we're progressing uh, uh, currently in Argentil. And we're, and we're quite uh, 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 bullish on them. That sounds really interesting. And gosh, my goodness, I think Agento is really, really busy in the in the energy and renewable space, which is also quite exciting. But let's shift the conversation a bit to, I mean, this is, is, is it fair to say that Agento is doing something revolutionary in the context of Nigeria and West Africa broadly? Um, I don't want to use the word revolutionary, but... <laughs> Again, I think I think what we're trying to do is um, is really to fix the problems that we see, um, and there are a lot of entrepreneurs uh, out there who have very great ideas, but the challenge has always been that early stage capital, because um, uh, a lot of the like like I noted, a lot of the funds uh, look because they're traditional GP funds with uh, twelve. 10 to 12 year life, they traditionally look to come in when it's clear that the missing pieces have all been put together. Now, fortunately, unfortunately, the environment we're in, it just takes a lot longer to get those missing pieces uh, uh, together. So what we've done in Argentina is move a step backwards to say, how can we support uh, that early stage uh, uh, and, and we've done that by sort, sort of catalyzing our own capital and third party capital into supporting, uh, 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 businesses that we founded, but all in partnership with other sponsors, or if I would say sort of, uh, businesses that we've met the entrepreneurs and, you know, we very much like their story. And again, we're happy to sort of provide them uh, that early stage funding to ensure that, you know, they can bring forward these uh, uh, interesting ideas. Because we very much uh, uh, believe that uh, in Africa, we're going to solve our problems ourselves. And the best people to solve it are the entrepreneurs who are out there uh, trying to sort of fix those problems. Yeah. 
Yeah, that and that makes sense. And so that really leads us nicely into my next question, which is going to be, you know, using Nigeria as a case study, what are your observations on the challenges associated with financing the energy transition uh, in similar African countries as well? But uh, the second part of that, you know, we know what the challenges are. You've just touched on some of those things. But in your view, because we are in the private investment space with different players, their DFIs, their other commercial investors, their other types of fund managers, what role do you think the private investment industry can play in addressing these challenges and just moving Africa a step forward or further in in just, uh, I guess, the energy transition. And so Agenda was doing something important in addressing that, but what do you think other private investment stakeholders can do to address those challenges? Yeah, thank you very much. Again, I guess what I would say is that um, a, a lot is being done already. Um, uh, so why, So there are a number of... Um, uh, uh, taking Nigeria as an example, uh, there are a number of, um, that over the last five years, we've seen in a number of well capitalized, um, uh, uh, developers who, uh, have raised capital from, uh, the larger infrastructure funds, uh, and also, uh, some of the DFIs, uh, um, and they're really looking to sort of, support a number of uh so that you, you and i talked about this fifteen thousand megawatt to twenty thousand megawatt of self-generation that a number that nigeria is reliant on and what a number of these um uh, uh companies are doing is essentially to displace that uh uh, uh diesel generation by combining uh hybrid uh solution so uh it it generally is solar uh, uh uh as as one and then uh, battery storage but also making those end customers more energy efficient uh in general so uh i guess when people have relied on backup generation and diesel they haven't really just talk thought through how to reduce how to make their energy consumption more efficient because once you put on your diesel generator, you have to, I mean, it, it's, it's a cost, right? So they're not necessarily looking at how, how, how can I make it more efficient? Um, but by having a number of these private, uh, companies who've, who've been founded, like say in the last five years, come through and have been supported by, uh, a number of, uh, private capital, uh, uh, investors as well as the DFIs, uh, what, what these guys have done is, and there are a number of cases that have happened uh, where they've sort of signed up with quite a number of uh, uh, telco companies, the banks, uh, industrial and, and commercial uh, 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 customers, and really taking them away from having to rely on, on diesel uh, generation uh and sort of migrating them to more renewables um but again i think we're, we're, we're still i mean the the gap is huge and that's a challenge so especially because we get so much little power from the grid that makes the gaps quite significant uh um so there's a lot that needs to be done and there's a lot of capital that needs to to sort of uh uh, uh come in uh but again i'll say that so far, the the number of uh, companies that are there are doing a good job, but we we need more of them because there's a lot of there are a lot of customers there that really need uh, to be sort of uh, take migrated from this sort of uh, uh, call it very uh, 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 polluting, costly self uh, generation to more efficient and 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 the cleaner source of uh, generation yeah yeah that that makes that makes a lot of sense so uh just moving on from talking about the opportunities and the challenges so let's bring it back to a genteel so 
uh, you know, renew- renewable energy sources are set to surge and really produce half of the continent's energy by 2040. So our question is, how are your portfolio companies or investment vehicles sort of geared towards meeting this emerging demand for energy? What What are your plans? What are you doing to, to meet this growing demand? Yeah, so I... I... I guess there's the, the, the sort of two points there. Um, so I guess the first question, I mean, one of the first points that I noticed that, you know, uh, re- research by the Global Electricity Review um, has shown that, you know, renewables have supplied about a third of the electricity demand growth um, uh, between 2014 to uh, 2020. Um, so currently, renewables is sort of, uh, I guess, providing about 30% of the energy demand growth. Uh, but we call that that's just the growth. So there's still the baseline, right? Uh, that 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 exists uh, uh, today, which uh, generally uh, is is met by uh, fossil fuel. Um, um, but the good thing, or what, or, or I would say the also positive thing is that um, the balance of the rising demand is being met by fossil gas. So at least we're moving away from, if I can call it, the more polluting charcoal. Uh, I'm sorry, not not charcoal. I mean coal, and sort of the more sort of uh, polluting uh, uh, fuel sources into what I'll call uh, the transition. Uh, energy source, which is gas, um, and and for us, I I think you know, in at Argentil, we we very much believe that renewables will provide the long term solution toward ensuring that uh, the continent achieves its climate goals in a sustainable manner. Um, but for us, we 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 generally think that gas especially in countries that currently have abundance of it. And I've already talked about how Nigeria flares as much gas uh, that it provides into the grid. Um, and obviously, the government policy as well, na- na- the Nigerian government has sort of termed a decade of gas uh, uh, as part of you know, meeting their climate goals, uh, as part of meeting the Paris Agreement. And we all know that COP twenty six is 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 in the I think it's in sometime in two months. Uh, so so again, it will be interesting to see what comes out from there. But from from our perspective, without getting into the politics, as I noted, we believe that Africa and Africans have to develop solutions uh, for our own uh, uh, development. And I think you know we've kind of seen some of that in the inequitable distribution of vaccines that we face today, you know, where uh, a country like Nigeria that is termed as doing well, I I believe we fully vaccinated uh, about 2.7 million of our population and it's estimated that we need to uh, get to about 110 million uh, to achieve about 70% of the target uh, population. So again, I think, you know, it's become abundantly clear that in Africa, we have to be responsible for solving some, some of our, our problems. And, you know, uh, like I say, gas provides this transition energy uh, uh, for countries like Nigeria that have the supply. Um, and we, with Argentil, you know, what, what we look to do is very much focus on the productive elements of the economy. So, a lot of the time I talk about CNI uh, customers, uh, commercial industrial customers. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons why we, we look to supply them is, one, they're, they're essentially, like I say, part of this broken grid uh, system of having relying on self-generation. Uh, 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 and, you know, we're essentially displacing uh, that sort of uh, polluting generation with cheaper, more efficient uh, 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 generation. And, you know, what, what we expect is that 
uh, and we've seen that with a number of other uh, uh, businesses, is to sort of reduce that uh, uh, footprint of, you know, uh, uh, diesel backup generation with more cleaner uh, generation. And uh, I, th I, th I think I talked a bit about that as well. Um, so we, we, we also expect, like I talked about, you know, that um, we will look to uh, supply LPG into the domestic market. And for us, this is also key uh, because obviously, I mean, if we're importing for, for a country that is actually uh, very rich in gas reserves, if, if we're importing 70% of, of our gas, of our LPG consumption, it means we are, create, we are, we are creating employment elsewhere. Whereas if, if we actually produce that LPG in country, we are creating employment here. And if you look at the LPG value chain, uh, um, the informal retailers of these products are generally women and, you know, essentially creating a domestic value chain uh, uh, will also look to support uh, uh, the informal retailers uh, 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 space uh, and look to sort, sort of create, you know, uh, 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 income generation at the lower end of the economic scale. Uh, which for us is, a, is, is, is one of the key things that we, we look at when we're looking at making in, in investments as in the productive economy, but also ensuring that the income uh, generation, especially at the lower end of the economic scale. Uh, and I think I talked about this around the industrial park that, um, you know, we, we are supporting, where by providing them sort of uh, 24 hour electricity, uh, a number of um, smaller commercial entities can also thrive in that environment. And by extension, we can then provide the university itself with sort of 24 hours supply. And that can ensure that the students in in the university can benefit from that as, as, as well. Um, I, I also talked about mini grids um, and similar off-grid uh, uh, solar and batteries storage. Because again, I, I, I think for us, when we look to evaluate what is it that an investment will catalyze, uh, it's really key for us that it's not just providing uh, if, if I can use it, solar bulbs, right? It's actually supporting um, the retailer who sells cold drinks uh, and ice products, the mechanic who fixes cars, the woman who grind pepper, right? So for, for, for us, when we look at an opportunity on supporting a, a, sorry, a business idea, we look at what is this catalyzing uh, 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 across the value chain. And for us, it's very important that, you know, we're not just sort of providing a product, we're providing a solution that supports income generation for a number of these sort of uh, 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 individuals that I mentioned. Um, uh, and, you know, we, we, we very much think that by solving that problem, then, you know, we actually look to s solve the problem of sort of uh, developing the lower end of the economic scale. Um, but also we, we, we like to think a bit creatively and we're actually working with, with a business that's looking to also look to do hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, I mean, hydrogen is the sort of very big energy uh thing right now, uh, but primarily in the, in the developed markets. Um, but again, we, we, we are partnering with, with a business that uh, is looking to sort of uh, use hydrogen fuel cells as a way of providing electricity uh, being made available and affordable to end customers. Uh, so they're doing very interesting things, and 
uh, we, we, we're quite looking forward to seeing how that uh, uh, progresses. Because again, we, we, we think that, you know, some of these technologies uh, uh, that have been uh, sort, sort of uh, invested in, in, in the more uh, developed markets can be adopted here. Uh, but then you also need entrepreneurs who understand the specific uh, issues that will, because it's one thing to generate uh, power. It's another thing to ensure that that power is paid for, right? So you don't have to fix uh, When an entrepreneur is fixing a problem, especially in this part of the world, he can't just fix a problem around uh, just making the product available. He also has to fix the problem of making it affordable as well, right? So for us, we, we generally look to work with ent entrepreneurs who, are, who have that idea and making sure that they are fixing the problem uh, simultaneously. Right? Do you know, I, as you were speaking, I was just, I, I, I absolutely love that response because funny enough, I was going to ask you a question about how Argentil, um approaches value creation and how they support their portfolio companies and partners and then just, uh, I guess, stakeholders with addressing the UN SDGs. Obviously, SDG 7 is ensuring access to affordable, uh, reliable, sustainable and modern energy for all. But in a way, you've sort of touched on how by not just providing a product and providing a solution that supports income generation, you're actually addressing other sustainable development goals, you know, addressing poverty really by giving people the opportunity to actually earn a living and contribute meaningfully to the economy, but also supporting and addressing the challenges uh, facing women and children. So it's really exciting to hear that Argento really is um embedding all the SDGs across its activities. But do you but do you have any um more I should say do you have any other examples just to flesh flesh out that uh, idea about the SDGs really beyond energy, but all of Argento's activities around value creation and working with portfolio companies and other investment partners? No thanks. Uh so I mean, for us, you know, um, value creation is something that we've always said is in our DNA because, um, like I said, we, we've not shied away from getting our hands dirty and where we've seen that there's even the, what I can call it, the opportunity for us to co-found a business, like I talked about FMGSL and covers. We, we, we've looked to find ways to make it happen. So, you know, for us, adding value is is key and you know one of the things that we always look to 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 do when we're evaluating an investment is ensuring that it's something that we can provide so and i mean again i'll just talk about some of what we we do i mean so operation and strategy uh, uh development is key for us because um we 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 come across in a number of very smart entrepreneurs uh, who understand their product and are looking to do very interesting things. Um, but again, being an investor in different uh, uh, businesses and also just some of the varied backgrounds that we have, uh, we, 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 are, we are able to support uh, on the operational and strategy uh, development. Raising capital uh, is key, right? Because, I mean, you know, uh, if, if, if all the ideas we have could be financed, uh, we wouldn't have a number of the constraints that we face. But one of the challenges that, that, that we've seen is around, uh, people raising additional third party capital, right? And obviously, because our business has done this, and we do this, and we've done it successfully for for clients. Uh, I would like to say that we've probably raised about in excess of five billion dollars for third party clients uh, uh, in the in 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 the last ten years at Argentil. Um So, and we've had to be very creative. And you know, one of the things that we we look at as well is how do we so how do we catalyze local capital right uh uh because uh, again i think you know one of the positives that international investors want to see is oh something is 
also supported by local capital. So, uh, I mean, for example, in FMGSL, we actually, the anchor investor we have manages uh, uh, or the bulk of their money comes from Nigerian pension funds, right? And they provide their funding in Naira. So, you know, from that perspective, we are able to catalyze sort of uh, uh, in investments from pension funds who traditionally have shied away from investing in infrastructure uh, 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 as an asset class and have sort of funded more the government uh, uh, um, uh, in terms of uh, the government's uh, 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 bonds. Uh, traditionally, uh, uh, so with this, we 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 are able to sort of su support that. And for us, it's, act it's actually about ensuring that more pension funds can put in more capital into infrastructure, right? And then uh, with blended finance as well. Uh, uh, again, we've worked with a, a provider of credit enhancement uh, to support this local currency financing as well. So for us, is because we've solved a number of problems for third parties, we're constantly able to find ways to solve uh, problems for our portfolio companies as well. So that's something that we, we definitely bring into, into, the, into the mix. Networking and business uh, development is key for us because, again, we, we, we think that, you know, um, from, I mean, obviously, we're not on the road as much uh, as we used to. Uh, to all be because of uh, COVID, and I'm happy to know that Africa is hosting some events in London, and hope hopefully we can all see each other physically um, <laughs> for that we haven't done for a very long time. So, so again, but again, I think just just being on, just having a good network, uh, uh, and sort of plugging some of the investing companies into that network uh, uh, helps them as well, because because again. You know, uh, it could just be you're, you're looking at uh, sourcing materials in a different market, or you're looking at uh, a business relationship in a new country. So there are just different things that you know that we're able to sort of help some of our uh, sponsors think through and sort of give them uh, 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 connections. Uh, now, a third, uh, sorry, not a third, but another thing for us is the. ESG, uh, and including what we call a sustainable development model. So what I talked about uh, uh, prior, where I talked about how for us, when we invest, we don't just think through about um, will it provide a product? We think about how would that product create a sustainable environment, right? So when we look at each investment, we sort of have certain criteria and then, I mean, a lot of the time we have to work with our investing companies to achieve this as well. Um, but the idea is to have a sustainable uh, development model that ensures that, you know, um, they, they address the SDGs um, and in so doing uh, create a, if I can call it, a positive network effect, right? So, you know, if in a community we go into and we are building a gas plant, we obviously want to make sure that, apart from the standard memorandum of agreement that we signed with the community where we provide uh, lighting, borehole, uh, and other things, is income uh, generation. So, you know, we look to recruit where we can from the community. We also look to ensure that, you know, the products that we look to put out are products that the community can be part of the value chain. And I talked about LPG, for example, uh, where the community can become resellers of this as, 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 as well, such that they can also benefit. Uh, and it's not like a top-down handout uh, strategy where we just build uh, infrastructure and schools and things like that, which are good. But like I say, for us, we think through as to how can these people improve their incomes? Because if when we do that, we definitely think that we create that as well. Um, um, and so, yeah, so 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 for, from that perspective, I, I think I've talked about 
is not a, on the energy side on the SDGs, but we like I say we are we actually invest outside of energy. So we we invest in a company called Cygen Pharmaceuticals. Uh, 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 they uh, they provide sort of strategies pro to provide affordable uh, uh, drugs into the uh, uh, economy, uh, especially targeted at the sort of you know middle to lower end of the market. Uh, so for us, they're sort of solving the good health and well-being on the SDG side, but also they employ about 400 people. Uh, so again, providing a decent work and economic growth where they're located. We also invest in a company called Temple Housing. Uh, they use um, containers to build. Uh, and for us, that is really about sustainability uh, uh, in terms of, you know, they're able to take containers that will, be, will either become part of the pollution as, as in being dumped or, you know, um, uh, as, as, as essentially uh, be used to build where, you know, we are having to use uh, sort of materials that we're having to create from scratch, uh, et cetera. So because we are reusing these containers, uh, in our view, apart from the fact that uh, Tempo is able to build uh, cheaper and, you know, uh, 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 quicker, than your traditional build, um, they are also able to sort of, you know, um, like I say, reuse these containers and sort of support this secular economy uh, uh, as 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 well. Uh, we 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 are also invested in Winchester Farms, uh, which sort of at one point in time, or at least to date, we we know that they fed about you know. Uh, they were part of the school feeding program in a state, in a southwestern state, where they were providing the protein uh, for the for the school meals that were provided to uh, uh, school children. And I believe uh, they they support about two thousand schools in that. Um, and then on the technology side, we've also invested in sort of move in sort of two mobility opportunities uh, as well. Uh, and those mobility opportunities have been pretty much around to support uh, giving, if, if I can call it, uh, self-employed people, decent work and economic uh, uh, job, job, job creation. So when, like I say, we, we, we definitely wear a SDG lens as we look to make in, investments as well. Uh, um, uh, to ensure that, you know, uh, we are, we are supporting the sort of, uh, drive towards a sustainable, uh, uh, growing economy. Sounds wonderful. I think Agento is, gosh, I mean, you were just talking about that. Agento is really doing important major work across West Africa, and that is amazing. And I think it's a lovely way for us to round up the conversation. And just to, to round up, we, we, we usually like to end on a fun note. And I normally ask our guests, you know, what is the one thing that you love what is the one thing that excites you about being involved in the private investment space in Africa? Uh, okay. Uh, I guess seeing things come to life, uh, you know, I, I, I always say that, I mean, I, I lived in London uh, probably about half of my life. And um, I definitely always see the, the, UK as my second home because like all my siblings are actually currently in the UK. I'm the only one here. Um, and you know, but, um, it, 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 it's seen how, you know, obviously the, I mean, London is a, is, is one of the best cities in my view. Uh, um, but it's coming back to Nigeria and seeing how, you know, things have developed, you know, over time, right? So, um, and that development is something that, like I say, in the more developed world, like, uh, and I take London as an example, there's a thing that you take for granted that are just there, right? Um, 
But here is seeing sort of, you know, new things come up that, you know, have been in the developed world for a very long time, but we are just at the crux of starting. So for, for me, what gets me excited and what sort of uh, keeps me here <laughs> is, is really about supporting that sort of uh, 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 growth of uh, getting us as a country and as a continent uh, to solve our problems and sort of, uh, I don't want to use the word leapfrog, uh, but where possible sort of uh, get to where the developed world is, but don't necessarily have to go through, uh, I mean, for example, the way the mobile phone has ensured that most of us has, have leapfrog having fixed lines uh, is, 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 is getting us to uh, where the developed world is really uh, by sort of leapfrogging and using sort of the 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 technology and and and, and the entrepreneurial drive that is very predominant here in 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 that. So really, that's what excites me. Really, uh, it has its challenges, but that's what excites me. I love that response and I, I completely understand what you mean. I, I was born and raised in Nigeria and I lived here, I guess, nearly about half my life as well. And it's just what has always driven me is really just being able to see Nigeria and Nigerians, you know, take inspiration and take examples and apply their own creative approach and innovation to solve challenges. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really great having you on the podcast and learning more about all the exciting things that Gentle is doing for Nigeria and for West Africa and to make sure that we're all able to build a sustainable future for the continent. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll chat with you again soon. Thank you very much, Yossi. Very much I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about what we do in Africa, please visit our website at www.abca-africa.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn to keep up with the latest news and updates in the private equity and venture capital industry in Africa.